Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Repod It podcast presented by Rerouted. Rerouted is an online marketplace where people can buy and sell used outdoor gear. If you have gear to sell, please check out our app, the Rerouted app on the Apple App Store and the Google Play Store. If you're shopping for gear, check us out online, rerouted.co. That's R-E-R-O-U-T-E-D dot C-O. Now, on to the Repod It podcast. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the first episode of our Reimagined Gear Stories. Today, we're tying everything through a theme now on the Gear Stories. Every episode is going to have a couple of stories shared from people on our podcast or people in the rerouted realm, and we will tie it together with a theme. Today's theme is going to be the rerouted team. We're going to start with Mary Eden, who is the VP of Media Communications for Rerouted. She shares with us about the first Camelots that she received from a mentor of hers and talks about the impact that used gear had on her experience in the outdoors and getting into climbing. I was like, yeah, you know, looking online, I, I can't afford those things that the book says I need for this, for that style of climbing, these cams. I can't, I can't afford them. Um, and I was really sad about it. And, um, I started looking at eBay for cams and even the ones on eBay were a little too expensive. So she was like, hold up before you buy anything off of eBay. Um, my dad is selling an old set of cams I'll ask him how much he's selling them for and uh and I'll and I'll and I'll tell you and so she ended up putting us into contact and he said he would sell me the set of rigid stem friends for ninety dollars amazing yeah it was this thing I couldn't get into the kind of climbing I wanted because at the time I just couldn't afford it and um I hadn't found like a mentor or a group of climbers yet to kind of take me in and, you know, teach me the way I was just dragging out this poor 15 year old. (laughs) This poor teenager. (laughs) Yeah. Um, So it was pretty funny. She put me in contact with her dad who happened to be um, an AMGA rock guide. Nice. Wow. Lucky. Lucky. And he told me to meet him at wall street to sell me these cams. And so I showed up at Wall Street to buy these cans. And he took one look at me, one look. And he said, well, before, before I sell you these cams, let's climb one pitch together. <laughs> and <laughs> What a good dude. <laughs> mm-hmm. And I remember the pitch. It was uh, 30 seconds over potash, 5-8 crack. I know that one. Yeah, it was my first ever crack climb I ever got on. And I can't explain to you the joy I felt getting on that climb I was so excited I was so pumped because I was finally able to climb one of these cracks that I had been eyeing and I remember getting to the top I felt like the king of the castle and coming down and I was just like unbelievably stoked because I was going to take that set of Richardson friends I was going to put up more of these things for myself (laughs) Uh, and and uh Matt looked at me and he said I am not selling you these cams <laughs> and I was so heartbroken I instantly felt like so heartbroken and 
I was like, oh, oh, okay, you know, like, I couldn't really afford to buy, you know, the new cams and the sets of the old ones on eBay were too much. And here was a set I could finally afford to buy. And he said he wasn't going to sell them to me. But then he said this, he said, what I'm going to do instead is I'm going to lend these to you. You're going to learn on them and we're going to climb together. The barrier of entry to um, a lot of um, outdoor adventure sports is pretty high. And unless you maybe come from an affluent family, mm -hmm. um, you can't try out things that could potentially be like a life passion for you. And for me, rock climbing has become such an important part of my life. It is not my whole life. Sure. It's not who I am, but it is a very important thing to me. And it has been something that has really helped me grow as a person and meet a lot of really cool people. And I look back in time of when I first got out of school and, you know, struggling financially. And to think that I might not have been able to start something that is so meaningful to me because I couldn't spend a grand on yep. a trad rack, right? To get, that's usually what a double rack costs, right? Easily. Is a grand. Easily. You know, and yeah. And, and to be able to get into the sport for practically nothing, you know, by just like the kindness of somebody's heart who, who, you know, really takes the whole like mentorship seriously um, was awesome. And, you know, I keep trying to do that to the people around me. I lend out gear all the time. I try to, I try to send deals to people. You know, I try to teach people as much as possible. Yeah. I sell a lot of my gear. I'll like go through it and I'll sell it for less than half of what I paid for it. Cause it's like, okay, well, this stuff is still in good condition. There's nothing wrong with it. Just get it reslung. And you know, you can start rock climbing for a quarter of the price. And, and a lot of this metal hardware, it doesn't go bad. No, it doesn't go bad. Microfractures are a lie. Yep. <laughs> Come on. Yeah. You know, I, yeah, it's just, it's fine. Just replace the soft goods. I tell that to people all the time. Yep. Replace your soft goods. You know, the metal is pretty good. You can inspect things. Um, I really don't throw things away. I try to just pass it on or, um, and if it's something is dangerous, I will destroy it so it doesn't yep. get reused. Next, we're going to hear from Samantha Brown about somewhat of a family heirloom sleeping bag that she has passed down. Samantha Brown is the VP of Operations and Marketing for Rerouted and also Chap Grubb, our CEO's lovely wife. And she joined us on the podcast almost a year ago and talked about a story uh, about her dad and, and also about her getting into the outdoors. So she shared about this kind of family heirloom sleeping bag that she has. Yeah, I, I know you didn't bring it up, but I think that one of the pieces of gear that I think of when I think of you is the, the sleeping bag that your dad took on the, the Pacific Crest Trail. Do you want to talk about that for you? Give us give us five minutes of that before we wrap up, because it's a great story. Oh, OK, sure. Yeah, um, <laughs> I've got this. How old am I? I don't want to age myself. Um <laughs> Oh my god that sleeping bag's like probably 40 years old at this point at least like it could be a year or two older so let's 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 just say that it was like late 70s older yeah. than we are yeah I, yeah no so it's a it's a fairly old sleeping bag um it's a it's a light baby blue down sleeping bag that my dad um 
Why do I feel like my dad has the exact same sleeping bag? That's so weird. He has this like big baby blue, like super big down sleeping bag. That must have been that must have been the go to back in the day. Yeah, who knows? It's possible. But um, it's my favorite. Um, I prefer to sleep in that sleeping bag than any other sleeping bags that we have. Sometimes I'll take that one and put it in one of our warmer ones because it's um, not as effective. But uh, yeah, my dad took that on the Pacific Crest Trail with his buddy when he was 19 years old, cross-country skiing. Um, I think that they started um, in like the middle of California somewhere. It had to have been like where the mountains get snow, right? Because they're doing this in the wintertime and they're cross-country skiing. They weren't hiking this trail. Um, and they went from somewhere in California to the Canadian border. Um, and they were gone for about three or four months, I think. Um, and they had planned it out where they had drops. My grandmother was um, mailing all this dried fruit and like stuff that they had prepared before ahead of time. And they'd go pick it up at like different post offices um, along the way. It, uh, I don't even know, I can't even think of like the logistics of how that would work today with how many people are on that trail. Next, you're going to hear myself and Chris Wilsey, the VP of Finance and Strategy, talking about a couple of pieces of gear that we used growing up. We went on a lot of hikes together uh, and camping trips together. We were cousins, and we had a lot of family family trips that we went on together. So there were, there were definitely some repeat pieces of gear that lots of kids in the family used. So we talk about uh, a set of backpacks, and, and Chris talks about some liner socks that he got and, and how much that impacted his, uh, his life, having to use used boots all the time. I have a kind of a joint gear story here uh, because our family had four or five of these black and green REI packs. How many trips do you think you went on with uh, wearing one of those REI packs? I bet it was eight to 10, you know, eight to 10 trips for me, a couple a year um, for, for five years or so. Yeah. I think that the goat rocks trip might have been the first trip that I, uh, like evolved and kind of to a full grown pack. Yeah. Phased out of the, the black and green, I want to call it like, you know, kid pack into and like when an, you say an adult kid size pack, pack. It was, you know, it was a decent size pack, but it was not a full size. I, like, if I would have had to guess, it was maybe, maybe a 50 liter pack or a 55 liter pack or something, you know, 45 to 55, somewhere in that range. Whereas like, you know, a, a large full size pack is like 85, 85 to 90. Yeah. That sounds about right. Cause you could, you could get all your personal gear in there. You know, I felt like I could fit a lot of stuff and, into them. Right. Right. You could get your clothes in a Ziploc bag and you know, your toiletries and your sleeping bag and your pad all in there with sometimes maybe like a little thing of freeze dried food or something to top it off. Plus your yeah. water. Yeah. yeah. But those were those were packs that every kid in our family used for several years. Oh, yeah. And uh, and and I I graduated from those. I, I had, you know, one or two trips with just kind of a random adult pack and then and then got got the pack that I have now. Well, got the pack that my dad has now. He stole it. And then I got another one of the same type 
uh, he didn't want to buy himself a new pack, but happy to steal mine. And then my mom bought me a new pack. So we are net net even for, for the packs, but, um, those are awesome. Osprey 85 and 90 liter, uh, Osprey packs, but anything else you have for our audience here, Chris? I'm trying to think, I feel like, I don't know if it was my favorite piece of gear, but I think one of my most useful pieces of gear on that trip, um, I think that might've been the first trip that I wore liner socks. Mm. Cause I think I remember seeing your brother and Kit picking up some liner socks. Kit might've had them. I don't remember your brother. Definitely. We made a big, you know, big REI trip to go, to go gear up for this stuff. Um, unfortunately rerouted wasn't around then, so we couldn't go order some stuff from there instead. But, um, you know, we, we geared up at REI and I remember seeing the, your brother kind of picking out these really thin socks and thinking like, well, those aren't going to offer you much inside your boot. But the idea was you wore them on the inside of your wool sock so that you didn't rub and get blisters. It was like a rub, a rub reduction thing. And I think your brother always got pretty bad blisters. If he wasn't like taping up his heel and, you know, he was also a baby about his blisters. His blisters <laughs> were always like decently bad, but like we've all had bad blisters. He was a huge yeah. baby about them though. Had to make sure that they were all taken care of. Of course, of course. As comfortable as possible. Yeah, which to be fair, though, like I said, I think it was probably my use, my most useful piece of gear um, that that trip because it was my first time using them. And like, I don't think I got a single blister, even though, you know, I don't know if I was breaking in new boots, but like my boots definitely got the most wear on those trips. That's kind of why we had them around. Most of the time, I just kind of would hike in a a sturdy pair of sneakers or something unless, you know, because we weren't doing anything multi-day like that with big heavy packs um and so my boots weren't always you know constantly broken in so i remember getting those liner socks and whenever i've done a like a backpacking trip after that always always made sure that i had a couple sets of liner socks and i still i still think i have those actually so very nice tip. liner socks that's the move liner socks and uh and a couple of backpacks that you have 10 different kids use for several years breaks them in nice and easy thanks to everybody on the team for joining us we'll introduce you to our technology team on another episode we're going to figure out something that works for them and introduce them to you as well but that will be coming soon Hopefully everybody likes this reimagined uh, way of doing gear stories where we're tying everything together through some kind of theme. Today's theme was uh, really the rerouted VP team. Chris Wilsey, Sam Brown, and Mary Eden. Thank you guys so much for joining us. Uh, And thanks to everyone listening. Hope you guys have an awesome day.